MSW Media. Thanks to Thuma for supporting the Daily Beans. Create that feeling of checking into your favorite boutique hotel, but at home with the bed by Thuma. Go to thuma.co slash beans and use code beans to receive a $25 credit towards your purchase of the bed, plus free shipping in the continental U.S. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, July 25th, 2022. Today, Steve Bannon is convicted on both counts of contempt of Congress. The Secret Service has identified potential missing text messages on the phones of 10 individuals. The Trump PAC, America First, paid over $2 million to law firms representing January 6th witnesses. Right-wing provocateur Baked Alaska is set to plead guilty. And the top takeaways from the latest committee hearing. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hello, everyone. I have made it home safely. I'm still fighting with JetBlue, but that's a story for another day. I am here. I've got all my equipment. We all made it back safely, albeit with a couple of, you know, bumps in the road. But anyhow, I am bringing you the beans this morning, of the, you know, about the news over the weekend. And I was in the hearing room Thursday. I'll talk a little bit about that for the, for the eighth hearing of this first series of hearings. I think that that wrapped up this season, I guess, if you want to call it a season. And that they're going to come back in September, possibly with more hearings. They have a lot more investigating to do. And um, the DOJ is also doing its job, as evidenced by the Bannon conviction, which I will talk about. Dana is out. She's not missing. Removed her from the show. (laughs) I miss her and I love her. And she's out on a boat telling jokes or she's touring. She's doing comedy, like a combination of a bunch of stuff. And I'm so happy for her because seriously, being out there and making people laugh is one of the best, greatest gifts. And I'm just I'm so I'm tickled that she's having such a good time right now. And I miss her and I love her and she will be back soon. With that, we have a lot of news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. So one of the benefits of being in the room during the January 6th committee hearings is being able to experience the reaction from the attendees in real time. It's something you don't get to see or hear on television. I remember the emotion in the room, for example, watching Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman give their testimony. I recall the audible gasp when we learned that a member of the far-right extremist group, the Proud Boys, had talked to someone who said that had they found the vice president or the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, they would have killed them. And, And there's always a visceral reaction in the room whenever videos of the violence are being shown. It's really hard to watch. And I know it's hard to watch from home, too. But you can feel it in the room. Now, I've been to three hearings so far in person. I've witnessed many in room reactions, but nothing. Absolutely nothing compared to the reaction in the gallery when the committee showed video of Senator Josh Hawley fleeing the violent mob that attacked the Capitol on January 6th. And it wasn't just the video of him running, but the juxtaposition of that to the now famous fist pump photo of Hawley riling up the mob from his safe space, which, by the way, was co-opted by him. A, a, A Politico reporter took that photo and he's been using it without credit. So it's the juxtaposition of that photo and then the running, and then the subsequent slow motion replay of him. And that's what caused the room to absolutely reverberate with laughter. And these are huge, high ceilings, and it's just a big room. And when that happens, it just, it bounces off the ceiling and it goes everywhere. It's just immense. The the amount, (laughs) the amount of laughter that came out 
when that clip happened, it was just immense. Now, within minutes, the Internet made quick work of that moment, including an amazing thread of the video put to different soundtracks created by at the Mal Gallery, the underscore M-A-L underscore gallery on Twitter, including Chariots of Fire, Yakety Sax, which is the Benny Hill theme song, Gonna Fly Now, the from Rocky, the theme from Rocky, and of course, Sir Robin's theme from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, he bravely ran away, that. And then a barrage of Forrest Gump memes came out. And of course, the elusive Bigfoot comparisons flooded social media. I was one of the first to put that out. And um, D. Prisgoda was able to capture the crowd reaction and post it to his feed as well. But apart from the hilarity of the moment, there are actually serious underpinnings afoot here. First, the clear dichotomy of what bullies say and what they do was on full display, especially in the context of those who blustered alongside Trump but cowered in the reality of the moment. Additionally, with that five-second video, the committee may have dashed any hopes of a successful presidential gambit for the Missouri senator in a way that simply being a seditionist might not accomplish, sadly, in today's hostile political environment. But anytime he says he's running, that's the image people are going to see in their minds. And we've learned recently that there will be more hearings. I, for one, look forward to more reaction from inside the room, but also the reaction from the voters come the midterms. And from the Kansas City Star, a paper from his own state, it's a, they say Josh Hawley is a laughingstock. During Thursday night's televised hearings of the House Committee investigating the January 6th coup, the coup attempt at the U.S. Capitol, Rep. Elaine Luria showed a video of Missouri's junior senator that will surely follow him the rest of his life. A clip, they say, Hawley sprints across the hallway as he and his fellow senators are evacuated after insurrectionists had breached the Capitol building. When it played on the screen, the audience in the room with the committee erupted in laughter. And then there's something Hugo Lowell and I talked about that he also wrote about in a new piece for The Guardian that's out today. The House January 6th Select Committee advanced new evidence at its Thursday primetime hearing that Donald Trump took active steps to obstruct the congressional certification of Biden's election win, paving the way for prosecutors to conduct a criminal case against the former president. Hugo goes on to say the former president knew as early as 15 minutes after returning to the White House from his rally that the U.S. Capitol was under attack by his supporters and yet acted only to find ways to stop the certification by calling senators to make objections. And that was a big, a big, you know, discovery. All of the senators that he had called while he was in that dining room. And when Trump finally sent a tweet instructing the rioters to leave the Capitol, it was 4.17 p.m., only after it had become clear they had been unable to fully occupy the building after being repulsed by a late-arriving National Guard, and the Capitol attack had largely failed. Those deliberate actions, Hugo says, to first advance the obstruction and then refuse to intervene until the attack was essentially over, bolstered the case that Trump violated federal law that prohibits obstructing an official proceeding through both action and inaction. And that's, of course, 18 U.S. Code, Section 1512C2. The select committee, in effect, at the primetime hearing, laid out the evidence of obstructing an official proceeding, a violation of federal law, in such a manner that the Justice Department prosecutors could take up their presentation as a framework for potential prosecution. The select committee notably focused on a tweet that Trump set out at 6.01 p.m. after the attack was largely over, referring to his lie that he had won the 2020 election. And it read, quote, these are the things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away. Playing a clip 
from a deposition with Trump's close aide and body man, Nick Luna. The select committee revealed that Luna suggested Trump might consider revising that first part of that tweet because it read to him as though Trump was responsible for the Capitol attack. Luna testified that he told Trump the language, quote, would lead some to believe that he potentially had something to do with the events that happened at the Capitol. That's the first part of the tweet. These are the things and events that happen. From an investigative perspective, the select committee also raised a pattern of crucial missing evidence from January 6th, which members and investigators on the panel increasingly see as malfeasance. That's according to two sources close to the inquiry. Which brings me to my point about obstruction of justice and obstruction of Congress and how the DHS Office of Inspector General has now opened a criminal investigation into the missing Secret Service texts. And in doing so, has shuttered the Secret Service's investigation into itself, which had been making a little headway. This is from CNN. Secret Service investigators were scrutinizing the phones of 10 Secret Service personnel that contained metadata showing text messages were sent and received around January 6th, but were not retained. That's Secret Service investigators, internal in the, in the Secret Service. The scrutiny came after the Department of Homeland Security Inspector General asked for the text records last year of 24 individuals at the Secret Service who were involved in January 6th, but only one text had been produced. After the issue spilled into public view this month, the Inspector General launched a criminal investigation into the matter, and lawmakers demanded answers from the Secret Service to go back and find out what happened to the texts that may have been deleted. But the Secret Service's internal investigation ground to a halt after a July 20th letter from the DHS Inspector General informed the agency there was an ongoing criminal investigation directing the Secret Service to stop its own probe. Investigators had been working to determine whether the content of the text messages sent by the 10 personnel contained relevant information that should have been preserved. Among the 24 Secret Service personnel under scrutiny, 10 other Secret Service personnel had no text messages, and three had only personal records, according to the sources. A source familiar with the matter told CNN that the heads of the details of both former President Trump and the former Vice President Pence, Robert Engel, and Tim Geibels, respectively, are among the 24 personnel whose text messages were requested for review by the Inspector General. It's not known whether Engel and Geibels, I think it's Geibels or Giebels, are included in the 10 personnel whose phones contained metadata showing that there had been text messages. Before the Inspector General's letter this week, the Secret Service had told the House January 6th Committee it was engaged in an extensive effort to determine whether any messages were lost and if they were recoverable including pulling metadata and interviewing the 24 agency personnel. I do not trust the DHS Office of Inspector General. I don't trust the guy, Kufari. He's the guy who quashed the investigation into rubber bullets and tear gas at the George Floyd protesters in Lafayette Square. And I hope that his closure of the Secret Service internal review, the one that got the metadata, isn't some attempt to stop an investigation that was making headway. I hope that's not the case. And part of that obstruction investigation that I have to assume is taking place at the Department of Justice is the fact that Donald is paying for people's lawyers. Now, that alone is not illegal, but it could be part of an entire evidence package showing state of mind and consciousness of guilt. Former President Trump's political committees have paid nearly $2.2 million this year to six law firms whose attorneys have represented witnesses before the House Select Committee investigating the insurrection. The biggest recipient of payments from Trump's political committee is Elections LLC, a firm that employs several former Trump campaign lawyers and former White House lawyer Stefan Passantino, who at one point represented Cassidy Hutchinson 
Pasentino has not answered any of CNN's previous requests or questions about his representation of Hutchinson. But when you're the lawyer, you get the transcripts from her depositions. And if Trump is paying you, he gets the transcripts. And then somebody might call you and say, remember, he reads the transcripts. Elections LLC has received more than $1.6 million this year, including $1 million that Trump's Make America Great Again PAC paid in May to an entity called ELLC LOLTA, which shares a Washington, D.C. address with the firm. Huh. Why would you want to create a separate LLC at the same address as the firm where Pasentino works? And that's the one you inject money into. Are you trying to cover something up? Are you trying to confuse people? Think people won't notice? <laughs> the Daily Beast first reported the $1 million May payment to ELLC LOLTA. CNN has requested comment from Elections LLC. Other firms paid by Trump aligned committees include Abel Bean Law Firm, which has represented current Trump spokesman Taylor Budowich, and JP Rowley Law, which has represented conservative lawyer and Trump ally Cleta Mitchell, as well as former White House advisor Peter Navarro, one of the president's fiercest supporters. Navarro has been indicted on contempt of Congress charges for failing to comply with the 1 6 committee subpoena. He pleaded not guilty. And it's his grand jury subpoena from the Department of Justice that leads me to believe Trump is under investigation for obstruction. He received that subpoena May 26th and was instructed to hand over all his communications with Trump and Trump lawyers and representatives. All of those communications with regards to his January 6th committee subpoena. Also included in that is the DOJ sweeping up of all of Bannon's lawyers' communications. Costello, remember? Now, Abel Bean has been paid more than $241,000 this year by Trump's leadership PAC Save America. In a statement to CNN, Abel Bean Law co-founder Michael Abel would not confirm or deny the money was used for January 6th witnesses. Why not? It's totally legal and totally cool. Quote, in circumstances in which a third party may pay all or some of the legal fees on behalf of a client we are representing, we provide independent legal advice to our client, we're loyal to our client, And we always serve our clients' best interests. We didn't ask you that. (laughs) But thanks for volunteering that. You certainly didn't serve Hutchinson's best interests. And Sidney Powell, who's paying for Oath Keepers lawyers, certainly isn't serving their best interests. Now, CNN has confirmed that the work of one firm, Garber Group, is tied to the January 6th committee. According to federal records, that firm got more than $91,000 from Trump's PAC. The PACs are paying the Garber Group for legal fees of witnesses who've cooperated with the committee's investigation. That's what a source familiar told CNN. The law firm of Timothy Parlator, who represents Bernie Carrick, the former New York police commissioner who'd been deposed by the committee, has been paid $25,000 by Trump's Save America PAC. Parlator told CNN the payments to his firm were not used to pay for legal services connected to the panel's investigation. But I'm not going to tell you what we paid for what we used him for. <laughs> it's not that. Something else. It's just, a we- it's just a weird coincidence, sir. Quote, I'm a private lawyer. I get paid for doing legal work. That's what Parlator said in an interview. This is not on behalf of me representing anybody before the January 6th committee. Uh-huh. CNN has also requested comment from J.P. Rowley Law, which has received more than $97,000 in payments this year from Trump committees. The moves by Trump political organizations to open his substantial post-presidency war chest to witnesses involved in the 1-6 probe have raised questions about the former president's ability to influence testimony as the panel delves into his conduct. 
and the far-right streamer Tim Baked Alaska GNA or Gianette, uh, facing a federal charge for live streaming inside the Capitol on January 6th, pled guilty Friday, but not before his court proceedings were ironically interrupted by a live streamer. <laughs> a video posted on YouTube shows live streamer James Worley stood outside Baked Alaska's modest Florida home. He had on a red t-shirt with a map of the United States, sunglasses, and a khaki hat. Of course he did. Traffic whizzed by. He complained about the heat as he waited for the federal court hearing, which ran nearly 30 minutes behind because of technical issues. He said he wanted to get the first interview of Baked Alaska after the court hearing. The hearing in U.S. District Court of Washington, D.C. eventually began with a court staffer giving routine warning that audio recordings of the proceedings were strictly prohibited. One of Baked Alaska's attorneys told the judge that the 33-year-old former Arizona resident was appearing by video from his home where there was a little distraction going on because someone was live-streaming and protesting outside his house. Emmett Sullivan, the judge, who we all know, said, protesting what? And the attorney said, I guess him as a person, I guess. Now, a few minutes later, the attorney told the judge that the protester was recording court proceedings in violation of court rules. The man standing outside the home appeared to have dialed into a public access line set up for the media and the public and followed U.S. District Court hearings. It was live streaming it. Disconnect the public line, the judge ordered. So they did. Court records filed Friday afternoon show that Baked Alaska pled guilty to one misdemeanor count of parading, demonstrating, or picketing inside the Capitol. Just one. He faces up to six months in prison and will be sentenced January 12th. His plea agreement stipulated he must cooperate with the government's investigation into the Capitol riot. Otherwise, he blows up, the, blows up the deal. By the way, Baked Alaska was flipped by Assistant U.S. Attorney Liz Alloy, who also, incidentally, issued the subpoena for Navarro's communications with Trump. And the news we've all been waiting for. Steve Bannon has been found guilty on both charges of contempt of Congress, and he faces a minimum of 30 days, up to two years in prison. So he's got two counts, right? Failure to testify, failure to produce documents. Each count has a minimum of 30 days, but the judge can have those sentences served concurrently instead of consecutively back to back. So that makes the minimum effectively 30 days and the maximum is one year per count. So the maximum is two years. I think he'll get somewhere around four months, maybe. We'll see. U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia celebrated the speedy guilty verdicts. Just a couple hours they deliberated. Quote, the subpoena to Stephen Bannon was not an invitation that could be rejected or ignored. And that is badass U.S. Attorney Matt Graves for the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office in a statement. Quote, Mr. Bannon had an obligation to appear before the House Select Committee to give testimony and provide documents. His refusal to do so was deliberate, and now a jury has found that he must pay the consequences. Sentencing has been set for October 21st, 2022. I know it seems far away. It'll be here sooner than you know. No, he cannot be jailed pending his sentencing hearing. A lot of people are calling for that. We don't do that. We're not supposed to do that. And, uh, that, you know, the courts are just backed up. Our, our federal bench is woefully understaffed. And uh, finally, remember the dudes who posed as DHS cops, bought gifts for Secret Service agents close to the Bidens and Kamala Harris? Well, Orion Taharzada is facing charges, including impersonating a federal law enforcement official, a change of plea hearing for him is scheduled for August 1st, according to a docket entry in federal court. The plea is not final until it's been accepted by a judge, but uh, Taharzada could change his mind at any time between now and then, but it looks like he's set to plead guilty because of change of plea hearing and he has pled not guilty. Him and Ali pled not guilty. 
Their defense attorneys in hearings and court filings denied the existence of a plot to infiltrate the Secret Service, saying Tahir Zeta acted out of a desire for friendship and that Ali believed he was working for a legitimate security company. The men have been on home detention since a federal judge released them in April, saying the prosecutors proffered zero evidence the defendants intended to infiltrate the Secret Service for nefarious purposes, or even that they specifically targeted the Secret Service. Those investigations are still ongoing. But as you remember, these two guys were tipped off to the investigation, so they had to get in and arrest him so they could get all the evidence before they destroyed it or left town. The Secret Service has since said the ruse did not compromise national security, but revealed vulnerabilities among its employees. Oh, it's the same ones who deleted all their text messages from January 5th and 6th. All right, everybody, we'll be right back with the good news. I'm excited about the good news. I always am. If you have any good news to send in, you can send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. As you know, I recently gutted and remodeled my whole house, and I was able to give my bedroom a delightful refresh, too. A lot of times the bedroom gets neglected, but I spend so much time in there, and you know how I love sleeping. And I was able to to spruce it up and make it look amazing using Thuma. Thuma practices an intentional, less is more design philosophy for the bedroom. Clean lines, subtle curves, lifestyle-enhancing details. Thuma provides that simplicity. Um, and it's amazing. It's absolutely a breath of fresh air. I bought the bed by Thuma. It's called The Bed. Handcrafted from eco-friendly, high-quality, upcycled wood. It has beautiful, unique variations in the natural grains. Minimalist design. And it's got Japanese joinery. It elevates any space. It's super supportive of your mattress. It's breathable. It opens up the room. And it's made to minimize noise. And I love mine. It just looks amazing. Made for how you live. The Bed by Thuma is backed with a lifetime warranty. Ships right to your door in three easy-to-move boxes. And it only takes about five minutes to assemble with no tools required. I was easily able to put it together myself. Along with the bed, Thuma offers other bedroom essentials to elevate the bed. The nightstand, the side table, and the tray are perfect complements to the bed. Create that feeling of checking into your favorite boutique hotel suite, but at home with the bed by Thuma. And right now, go to thuma.co slash beans. You'll get a $25 credit towards your purchase of the bed, plus free shipping in the continental U.S. Again, that's thuma.co slash beans. T-H-U-M-A dot C-O slash beans for that $25 credit. And, hey, Daily Beans listeners, I want to tell you about Future Hindsight, an award-winning podcast that takes big ideas about civic life and democracy and turns them into action items for you and me that we can do super easily from home. It's brilliant. Uh, in, in this midterm year, especially, they're going to bring you into conversations that you can support your decision-making beyond just the races, Right. You can join host Mila Atmos every Thursday for in-depth conversations with citizen changemakers about how they're building their civic action toolkits. You'll always learn something new and you'll come away with hope and inspiration to bolster democracy. So follow Future Hindsight wherever you get your podcasts or tune in on futurehindsight.com. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And as I said right before the break, if you have good news, corrections, confessions, misheard song lyrics, if you want to play What the Mutt or Find the Cat, uh, What the Mutt's really fun. If you have a rescue dog, send it in and I try to guess what breeds are, are there. It's it's pretty hilarious. Uh, I, I'm not very good at it, but it's fun anyway. Dana is much better at it than I am. Um, yeah, send in your baby photos, 
Halloween pictures I accept all year as also could that includes any holiday photos, really. Um, you can send it all at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up from she. That's all it says. I really do love you both. You make my day every day. I know you have to rest now and then, but I do miss my beans on Saturdays and Sundays. Maybe make bonus takeout reels for those? Kidding. I live in LA, which is lower Alabama. <laughs> and I'm surrounded by the usual Trumpy flaggy flags. Your show makes me feel hopeful. Details are great because they keep me from rolling it all together into one dung ball of doom. I do that. I do that, she. I'll be like, something Something makes me upset. And then I'll think of everything that's ever made me upset in my whole life. And then like, just let it sit there like a giant pile of crap. She says, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Included are my rescues, Jolie and Chipmunk. Adorbs, but of course they're indoors and have claws because I'm humane. So the furniture does take a hit. That's okay. It's their furniture anyway, she. Oh, these are absolutely beautiful cats. And yeah, Saturdays and Sundays, I know, I know. Um, maybe, maybe we could do some bloopers or something for patrons. Look at these cuties. Oh, they look so soft. That's a cool cat tree. Oh, thank you so much for those photos. Next up from Julie, pronoun she and her. Hello, beans, queens. I have the best word for people who like to swear. Lalochesia. Um maybe lalochesia oh lalochesia emotional discharge gained by uttering indecent or filthy words oh lalochesia who knew there was a word for the relief of being able to swear thank you for preserving my emotional health <laughs> you're welcome my pet tax here is a picture of my dog bruno he's eight years old we got him from the humane society a week after my younger son's bar mitzvah in 2014 fell in love with this pup at first sight i had never had a pet before and this pup has brought our family so much joy I have a regular group of people and dogs in the, at the dog park that meets every day and they have become my people. Oh, I love the dog park. Thank you for this, Julie. Look at this cutie. Oh, what a sweetie. Boop. I want to boop the nose. Boop the snoot. Next up from Christy, pronoun she and her. Hello, ladies. I'm a longtime listener going back to the kitchen table days. My partner and I have been on vacation to visit his family in Cleveland. You flee to the cleave. And then Niagara Falls, Canada for the past week. I've played your show for him each day so we can keep caught up on the daily shit show that is the news. We appreciate how you break it down in easily digestible and humorous ways. And I think I've got him hooked. All right. Uh, I include for my pet tax, my precious puppers, Percy Jackson, the beagle, but also a photo of my now fiance and me. He proposed while we were at Niagara Falls. Awesome. Congratulations. Thanks for doing what you do. Keep fighting the good fight, making good trouble when you can. Love to you and Dana. Christy, congrats on your, look at that ring. It's beautiful. What a couple of beautiful, happy people. The dog. <laughs> the dog. That's like a lumberjack beagle with the, with, the, with the checkered flannel. Oh, so adorable. How do you keep your Christmas tree nice and safe with, with this doggo around? Mine would tear it up. How wonderful. Next up from Laura, pronoun she and her. Hello, ladies. My good news is that I made a donation to the Winslow Friends of the Library on behalf of my granddaughter. She graduated from kindergarten via online programs offered by my alma mater, ASU. Go Devils! I went to ASU for a semester. Woohoo! Her dad's family is from the standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona, and the city is trying to raise funds to build a new library. And we all know how important libraries are because reading is fundamental. Absolutely. A quick misheard lyric from your theme song. I thought it was news worth sharing. <laughs> news with swearing is so much better. For pet tax, I submit our two rescues, Holly, the Chihuahua, and Kip, our border collie. I bet you can guess which one is the boss. Oh, the Chihuahua, hands down. 
I don't even have to look at photos to know that. Thanks for all you do. You're welcome, Laura. And thank you. And um, kindergarten via the online program at ASU. That's so awesome. Congratulations. Look, ever since Down and Out in Beverly Hills, I've absolutely fallen in love with Border Collies. All right, finally, we have a submission from Jordan, pronouns she and her. Hi there, Beans Queens. I'm writing from the boundless hellscape of Texas, where we are just working day by day to prevent a descent into fascism and find a little bit of humor along the way. Confession time. Since my husband and I are considering starting a family, there is frankly no fucking way that I will stay in Texas to have a baby. So we're currently planning a potential escape plan if the midterms do not go well. I'm seriously considering telling my mother and mother-in-law, both consistent Republican voters, that if Beto, Rochelle Garza, Dem nominee for AG, and a significant number of Democrats do not flip major seats in this election, we will leave the state and take my potentially fruitful uterus and my potential grandchildren far, far away. It's definitely a nuclear threat because I wouldn't put it past them to just organize a massive number of blue voters in the name of grandbabies. Excellent. Hey, whatever you can get, you know, we will let you know if we choose to set this plan in motion. Also, a shout out to Senator Jog Hallway. I mean, Josh Hawley. <laughs> He has inspired me as a fan of The Office to beg any Missouri Democrats, please, please organize a 5K to raise money for a worthy LGBTQ or pro-choice charity organization and call it the Josh Hawley Hallway Wimp Memorial Pro-Am 5K Run for the Cure of Being an Insufferable Prick. <laughs> I think that the, the Missouri Democrats have actually organized a Hall and Hawley 5K to raise money for Dems. She goes on to say, I will absolutely donate and attend and eat a massive amount of fettuccine Alfredo and run the 5K if that happens. Yep, you got a carbo load, Jordan. Much love to the Leguminati uh, and thank you. Thank you so much, everybody, for these amazing stories and photos. Congratulations uh, on your uh, engagement, Christy and Fella. Absolutely beautiful photos from Niagara Falls and this uh, kitty belly that she sent. I just, this is Jolie. I, I just want to, I want to rub the belly. I don't know if it's a trap, though. You can't ever tell. Anyway, if you have any good news, stories, confessions, corrections, pet pics, whatever you want to send in, whatever makes you happy, send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. I have maybe some pretty cool guest hosts lined up this week. Um, I will let, let you know. You'll know. You'll know when you hear it. So keep listening. I'll be back tomorrow. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health and vote blue over Q. I've been A.G., and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>